right, guys, welcome back to another episode of PPK. Um, we're continuing the PPK Perspectives kind of series that we're doing here. Um, and I'm really excited today. I got three of my really good friends that I met from, uh, from Franciscan University. And uh, yeah, it's just the boys. We're all hanging out today. We're going to have a good time, talk mostly about what it means to be young and Catholic, talk about some of our, our journeys growing up, um, and kind of how to stay in that faith. And so I think we all have different things to share, and it's going to be a really fun time. Um, I'm joined by uh, Danny, Will, and Christian. And uh, guys, just to start out, let's get a little bit of intro. You guys can introduce yourselves, obviously your names, where you guys are from, slash where you're staying now, um, your age, and then what you're doing right now. So whoever can start, go ahead. All right. Well, I guess I'll go. So I'm Will. Uh, I graduated from Franciscan this past year, 2020, what, 2021? Uh, I'm living in D.C. with Danny, actually. He's in the room next over. Uh, <laughs> there he is. <laughs> uh, now I'm, so I'm selling vintage clothes full time, living the dream. It's pretty fun. Yeah. I'm 23, you know. Yeah. yeah. Bye. <laughs> Sweet. All right. All right. So, you go, Christian. You go. All right. Work. So my name is uh, Christian. Um, I'm 22. I'm currently still in uh, Steubenville, Ohio, uh, the New York City of Ohio, they say, actually. Um, Little Chicago. And, uh, yeah. But I, yeah, I'm, I'm currently in my senior year of Franciscan. Um, uh, Will and I actually uh, met doing the same thing, selling uh, old clothing. <laughs> um, but yeah, we met at Franciscan along with everybody else here. Um, I'm currently uh, engaged, uh, getting yep. married uh, next May. And uh, yeah, this summer I got some work lined up. But yeah. All right, Danny. Sweet, sweet, sweet. Yeah, so I am Danny. I'm 23, graduated the same year as uh, Will this past spring. Living with Will in the DC area. Um, right now I am selling printers and copiers. So I work at Dunder Mifflin Sabre essentially. And <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a blast. I'm having a great time. Um, and yeah, that's, a, that's about it. I met, I met Christian through Will and through Christian and Will, I met Mika. So <laughs> it's a good yeah, chain of events. And we Will all brought us all on. together. Yeah, yeah, we had a big bond well, over vintage clothing. Goodwill brought us all together. Yeah, Goodwill and vintage clothing brought us all together. And uh, all right, guys, together. a lot of times at the bins, a lot of times um, just doing Franciscan things that we don't have to get too into detail about. But um, yeah, just to start out, I'll give you guys a little icebreaker. Just cause I asked the last two guests, uh, Jake, who I brought on, you guys all know Jake, and then uh, Nathan, who I just interviewed the day before. Um, and I've been asking everybody, what are three movies, if you guys had to choose, that you can only watch for the rest of your life, what are those three movies? Uh, we'll start with Danny. Well, that's a right, question. Right off the top. I can give you guys mine if you want to start out. Yeah, um, yeah, already you said it. yeah. Okay. <laughs> I've already, I've already said, I've already said in the last two. So like the, you know, the 15 people that listen to this podcast, they've already heard it a couple of times, but I'll say it again anyways. So I, I got to go obviously three different genres, right? Like you got to get a wide variety. Um, for me, the comedy has got to be the other guys. Um, I think there's room for others. I think like uh, Step Brothers or maybe like a Talladega Nights is up there maybe. But for me, it's the other mm -hmm. guys. 
Um, and then in terms of like a drama slash inspirational, it's goodwill hunting for me. And then lastly, um, just take any of the last three Dark Knight series or even the, I just watched the the new Batman with Robert Pattinson and that could be thrown in there too. So it, any of those, uh, maybe, maybe I'll just say Dark Knight for my third. <laughs> All right. Yeah, dude. Uh, yeah, those are some pretty, <laughs> those are some bangers. <laughs> Batman was pretty good. Uh, I guess three, top of my head. Gotta represent Martin Scorsese. Goodfellas, fantastic movie. Um, then probably, I'm a big Hateful Eight guy, Quentin Tarantino. I think it was an awesome mm, movie. Okay. And then uh, also Good Will Hunting. Now, Good Will Hunting is like a, a weird feel-good movie for me. It's yeah. like a comfortable yeah. movie. I'm not really sure yeah. why, but yeah. it's good. Yep. I, uh, so I'm, I'm going to have to agree with everybody on the Goodwill hunting. Uh, just, you know, one of those nights you want to have a, a feel good story and cry in your room yeah. alone. Yeah. <laughs> That's the movie to do it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, the movie, uh, Nico's going to laugh at this, but the movie Zodiac, uh, my fiance knows <laughs> how much I love that movie. Um, I love Jake Gyllenhaal so much. I think he's I'm an amazing actor um just the roles i've seen him in and then uh man um probably the nightcrawler movie another gyllenhaal yep. movie oh, i'm a big thriller one. a big thriller guy like i need yeah. to be on the on the edge of my seat the whole movie kind of wondering what's gonna happen yeah you'll be on your toes um, the rest of your life with those three dude <laughs> yeah 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 so for me those are those are probably my three as of now could change okay all right will all right so my favorite movie of all time, number one, one like oh, number one overall, Dead Poet Society, Unreal. Yeah, that's yeah, Everybody's that's a great gotta, one. Everybody that's a great one. That's a great I've one. I showed that to my girlfriend that movie like three times already. Every time we're like hanging out, like hey, let's watch a movie. I'm like, we should watch Dead Poet Society. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a great one. And then number two is probably Fight Club. I really like Fight Club. Super mm-hmm. good one. And then. Number three, I will say like probably Black Hawk Down. That's a that's a good movie too, dude. Though that Black Hawk Down, I watched it at too young of an age, and it shaped me. <laughs> yeah, awesome. yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> okay, I haven't watched that one. I'll probably have to check that out though. Um, okay, so now we'll start um, getting into it. Like I said, we all have I think different stories. Um, I'm pretty sure at least me, Danny, and Will are cradle Catholics. Christian's not, and he could talk a little bit about that. Um, but as first question, guys, so at least to a certain age, you know, Christian, you can talk a little bit about it. Um, but, yeah. you know, obviously we all grew up Catholic. Um, and I think for a long time, even I, at least I could speak for me, I understood its value always. I understood that was, it was the truth. Um, I never really tried to fight that too much um, in terms of like in my head, I always said, you know, yeah, I'll always go to church and, you know, I just don't really want to be too Catholic because I had this, I was just a part of, you know, going to public school my whole life and basketball and loving music that I always had this sort of dichotomy within myself. So like, how did you guys each individually, um, kind of cope with under, maybe understanding the Catholic, the Catholicism and its value to you and maybe the truth itself. And then also just kind of still wanting to be like everybody else. Um, so we could start with what Christian, I guess we'll let's start with Christian. Yeah. So Miko had kind of mentioned it. I, unlike, uh, 
these guys. I did not grow up uh, cradle Catholic. My parents grew up Catholic, um, but then for a while they uh, had a uh, stint in the Lutheran church. Um, and so growing up, I was always in a church um, and my and my parents were always really faithful um, Christians. Um, and then probably around the fourth grade, my dad had a uh, reconversion to Catholicism. Um, and that, you know, I was pretty young at that time. So honestly, I didn't, I, I didn't know what a denomination was. Um, so I just kind of thought we were switching churches. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, uh, my, my family so, uh, soon followed, uh, my dad's reconversion. Um, but for a while it was kind of, uh, me and my dad, uh, well, my dad was refinding the Catholic church. Um, and then I was you know, still at a very young age, probably until like sixth grade, I was kind of finding it myself. Um, and then not until um, ninth grade, I would say I went to my first Franciscan conference here. Um, and uh, so that was kind of a pretty major thing. I think that's where the first time I kind of started my really personal relationship and journey with Christ. Um, and I think the thing that really kind of uh, did it was, um, you know, seeing Christ in the Eucharist and uh, really understanding um, who Christ was um, in the Eucharist and how that really was Christ and just having a really powerful experience in adoration. I'm pretty sure everybody who's been to a Franciscan conference could say they've had a uh, really pow powerful adoration experience. But that was um, that, that was probably where it started um, until uh, in high school, I, I you know, kind of was named the really Catholic kid throughout high school. Uh, I did go to a Catholic high school too. Um, and then, which kind of led me to Franciscan. And uh, that's kind of, yeah. All right, uh, Will, let's go with you. All right, so I would say I definitely, my parents and my whole family were all Catholic, but there was never like a, it was more of like a, I would say more of a, a Christian type of deal, not very traditional. There was obviously the, there was a sense that like my parents always instilled in me that like the Eucharist is powerful, it's real, it's Jesus. They really taught me that like, you know, you can't receive with mortal sin. They told me the difference about sin, like, you know, sins and all that kind of stuff. But like, it, we would say our dinner prayers, we would go to mass on Sunday, but it was never like super, like, you know, like a big driving point in our family. We were still there and it was still great, but I kind of, I kind of like took my own like findings to really figure out what my faith meant to me was but in high school I went I went to a Jesuit school which was terrible I left after two years the kids in my grade were awful people the school itself was really weird not a big fan and I was in school for the rest of high school which also wasn't great because one of my good buddies was homeschooled and he was I mean as atheist as a god so I would just spend all my time with him and we were getting into trouble in high school. I got into some serious trouble. Don't need to go into too much detail, but basically cut all ties with those friends. Talked to my my cousin, Dana McCartney. He's two years older than me. He said he was going to Franciscan. I was like, oh, I'll check that out. I'll like, look into it. He goes, he comes back. He tells me how much he hates it. So I'm like, all right, that's off the table. I'm not going there. He hates it. And then after his first his first year, he comes back for the summer. He's like, dude, I really did love it. Like, I found a great group of friends. You should really look into it. So I applied, got in, go to Franciscan. First, my first semester of college was 
I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was college. That's all, you know, just <laughs> whatever. And so, but then I met, I met at Franciscan, obviously we have households, basically just brotherhoods. I met the prods and I met Danny and a few of my other friends, Austin and Nick and Luke, and we all became like a good little crew. And we were kind of whipped into shape by the prods and that kind of sprung up my faith again. You know, we were forced to go to daily mass for like two weeks in a row every day. We were, you know, forced to go to confession. We were, I mean, not forced. It sounds terrible when you say it like that. But, I mean, they were like, you know, you guys have to go to confession. You, I mean, and so that kind of revamped everything again. And then I go to Austria, kind of lose it a little bit because, you know, we're overseas. It's getting crazy, whatever. But then I would say from senior year to now, I've had like a true actual like refined it of my faith and i've like been steadfast in it and i've been living in it i've really found peace and power in the eucharist adoration and mass in the tradition and the I've, something i've really come to love is the are the saints and mary they're those those two are just something that i never really learned about or i was taught about or really saw any power in growing up but now in these past two years, it's like that is really what's been kind of driving me back and keeping me going, keeping my faith part of my life. Beautiful. Thank you. Danny? Yeah, so uh, like Miko said, I was, I was born Catholic, raised Catholic. Uh, my parents, my dad went to Franciscan. Uh, my mom went to Villanova. So they were both very, very uh, Catholic. And I would say that's, that was pretty influential on me as a kid. Uh, when I started getting a little bit older, though, I, you know, did the thing where I was like, this isn't, you know, cool. Nobody, like, none of my, like, uh, I had, like, friends growing up that were also cradle Catholic, and we all had that community and stuff. But I would say as we all got older, we kind of all, you know, just real, like, oh, this isn't cool. You know, this isn't, like, the, the cool thing to do. So throughout, uh, I went to a public school, and for my first three years, I, you know, wasn't hanging with a good crowd. I was kind of just doing my own thing. Um, I would say I was agnostic at best, but I was, I wasn't, that was neither on my radar at that point. I kind of just threw that, my faith completely to the side. Um, and then I joined this club called Young Life, which is a non-denominational Christian club. And uh, that's where I actually, I would say I found, I started my relationship with Christ. And I actually found the importance of, you know, being in a relationship with Christ and, you know, growing in that aspect. But you know, I, I left high school, um, kind of to Will's story, uh, Christian story, being known as the Catholic kid. Um, I was known as like the young life kid. And, and the guys that I was, you know, friends with, I would try to get them to come with me to this this club and stuff. And I would just be, you know, made fun of literally publicly in front of like a, a whole classroom, kind of just like roasted. And um, yeah, it, it wasn't good. And then once I kind of made that decision, like this is something I really want to pursue. I transferred. I, I actually, you know, became homeschool with one of my best friends, Nick Kane. Um, and yeah, I didn't want to go to Franciscan again because I didn't think, you know, being a Catholic was cool. I was like, oh, I got this cool Christian non-denominational thing going. Uh, ended up agreeing to to go to Franciscan, to give it a semester. And yeah, the first semester, like Will said, was <laughs> was college. Um, it wasn't really anything fruitful or good. And then prods and internship stuff kind of whipped me in the shape but I would say I really wasn't aware or just didn't know the actual like Catholic faith I didn't I didn't understand it so when I 
went to Franciscan and I started taking all these classes, like Intro to Catholicism, you know, Foundations of Ethics and all these other things, I started to actually realize that there was truth in this. And um, over time, you know, I still work on that every single day, but I feel like now as like a testament, I, I, I go to traditional Latin mass every week. Um, and that's just like Will said, saints and uh, Mary have been a humongous, humongous factor in my life and in my faith. And, um, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much, I guess you could say my, my story. Okay. Yeah, no, that's good. I think it was, it's important to like get at least uh, a background on, on these guys. And I think one of the reasons I'm bringing um, these three on, obviously other than being really good friends of mine is that I've just seen so much of them and me. And I think we've all bonded over being how we probably felt like uh, different from a lot of the people that we grew up with or, uh, or that we've seen. And just this idea of of being Catholic and before, like I, I grew up and I didn't have any Catholic friends, um, even back at home. So don't have anyone that I'm super close with, maybe one or two that were Catholic. And uh, these are three guys that at least, um, you know, during our time at Franciscan, I think we really felt like we were had a good effect on one another and um, we just maybe saw things a different light and we bonded over not only our faith, but you know, something stupid like vintage clothing. And um, it doesn't sound like a big deal, but it it felt like, Oh wow. Like it brought us together for some weird reason. Like we're the four weird kids wearing, you know, hole and painted crew necks and, you know, old (laughs) Carhartt pants and all this kind of stuff. And yeah, it's been good. Uh, One of the things I do want to dive a little bit deeper into though in all of our stories, you know, obviously as young men, um, we all struggle with lust and a lot of those things. Um, I don't really want to get, we don't have to get too into that, but I'm just curious, like for me, one of the big struggles was, like I said, I went to public school my whole life. Um, I thought a lot of kids that were at church were just weird. Um, didn't feel like they were like me. I didn't really ever go to youth group growing up cause I felt like I didn't relate with any of those people there, which is obviously a big reason why I started this podcast. I felt like, uh, I just wanted to kind of be the person that i wish i i had saw when i was 15 and being like oh wow you know what you could actually still be yourself and be catholic i didn't know how to do that just yet and there's obviously a lot of stuff there um that could go into depth about but not really about me i'm the host here so i'm just curious for you guys at least um like you know for me a big thing was like i'm a basketball that's i identify myself when i was younger as a basketball player right and and i identify myself a lot with music me and my brother would spend so much time back when LimeWire was a thing i don't know if you guys remember that downloading music and trying to do all (laughs) that i mean me and my brother would spend i mean almost hours every day like looking at music and so i mean we found ourselves just so much ingrained in like uh, basketball and hip-hop is so integrated and then my parents not necessarily being um uh, raised up in the faith they had a, kind of a similar background in that so i felt like it was hard to integrate those two and i'm just curious for you guys this is a long way to get to the question but like what was that like in the sense of we all grew up with the faith um at least some sort of uh, of it and or some form of it i should say and what were those things around you that you found that you had a hard time with like fully committing obviously it's different for everybody um but I don't think any of us are like, I don't know, for, I remember being at least in high school and seeing some kids and be like, oh, wow, those guys are like really about it. I'm not that guy. And I had my things of being, whether it's being cool or whatever it is, or maybe I just liked girls too much or whatever it was. And I didn't want to feel that guilt or stuff like that. Like, what was that for you guys, especially maybe in like the high school years? Um, 
Well, similar to you, I think uh, music, especially like throughout high school, was was pretty big. Um, to where I look at it now, um, and I really don't even listen to that much like uh, hip hop because I, I would say a rap because I would say like especially like art. What, the time we grew up in high school that was and it still is was the biggest thing um yep. was hip-hop and rap mm-hmm. um and not until like probably like my sophomore year of college um did i really kind of realize what i was putting in my ears and like as as to a secular person that would sound like really stupid but um and i think a lot of secular people are even realizing today that you know this you know really vulgar rap is is not healthy um and not only is it not healthy but it's just it's not right uh, to be kind of you know singing or rapping uh, about uh women in a really uh degrading manner or um just just anything like that so i think for a lot of people i think music is is definitely something that uh, is really hard to let go of because it's so mainstream and uh, you might not really see the importance of like just you know clicking a button and listening to a song for like two minutes. Um, but yeah, I would say somewhere to you, that was, that was, that was a big thing for me. And, uh, not until I really started, uh, listening to, uh, like just not Miles mainstream Davis. stuff, I guess. Yeah. Miles <laughs> Davis. yeah. Just, just instrumental. You can't go wrong with that. Yeah. But, yeah. uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. What's the other one? The indications. Oh, indication yeah <laughs> yeah and it honestly i don't know it it did open up to like this door of uh you know how much great music there is out there and that like a lot of like people don't really listen to anymore um, yeah. like the classics i guess you could say. <laughs> as corny as that sounds but, was there uh at least was- for you christian like anything in Obviously, it's being it's weird like being the Catholic kid when you're literally at a Catholic school. Was there yeah. like things? Obviously, you were living your life in a different way, right? That's made yeah. people see you that way. Was there like anything yeah. else that you felt like, oh man, really like held me back in that certain way, or were you at a point? Because at least for me, like yeah, I was known as a Catholic person, but never in a in a bad way because I was essentially like everybody else except I went to church on Sunday you know um and so they didn't really see me in a different light where they like anything else or surrounding at least that you felt like was so was such a hard or it was such a big obstacle for you that you like couldn't fully commit to the faith besides mm-hmm. you know being like 14 or 15 obviously it's kind of tough but were there any other yeah. things i mean i think similar to you um i think all young men like having uh you know growing up uh lust is a huge thing you know to let go of and kind of what will had said um and danny reading i think and i didn't even mention this the first question but something that was very transformative for me um was like reading about the saints um and reading about uh our lady and what she says in all these apparitions um and especially like i guess i can you know kind of highlight one was uh saint augustine i mean i'm pretty sure everybody kind of knows the story of saint augustine and how you know how hard it was for him to fully commit to uh you know from his you know his desires um just his worldly desires um and that i think for anyone especially a young man growing up today 
is uh, is is really important to kind of look at that because now he's known as one of the greatest uh, figures in the Catholic Church ever, um, and just to see how he overcame it uh, was was insane. Um, and he was way worse than anything I've ever done. <laughs> um, but yeah, so no, it's good. Yeah, uh, Will. Oh shoot! So, I mean, music definitely, but. Yeah, I don't even get it. It's the same as Christian, you know, like rap music, it just wasn't, uh, yeah, I wasn't enjoying what I was hearing. It was just too disrespectful, and it just kind of made me feel a little, just not the way I wanted to be feeling. But also, just like, I think the idea of, like, drinking really held me back, too, because it's such a, such a wild concept, because, like, as Catholics, we drink. It's like a, it's like a thing we do, but... I never under fully understood of like the idea of getting too drunk, the idea of having too many drinks, the idea of, yeah. you know, being able to just hang out and drink beer, and not saying there I had an issue because I never had any of that. It was just you know I was a young kid, I was in college, but like you would wake up after like a Saturday night on Sunday, you would push mass off until four o'clock, you would show up like hungover, you wouldn't receive. And I was like, oh, I can just hit the confession and I'll, you know, take a day off next week. But that really, it really started to hold me back because instead of, you know, making mass my, you know, first thing I do su Sunday, I was going to breakfast, I was smoking cig, you know, I was relaxing, then going to mass. So it was just a small little thing. And then obviously I still drink now, but it's very tame, very chill. But like, it was just... It just held me back in a way that like everybody's doing it all my friends are here all the guys i you know look up to are doing it so it was just such an it was just like it 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 just made me think that it was like what i was doing was okay and it was you know totally normal but in reality it really just there's no there's no good that that came out of it besides the funny stories and at the end of the day those aren't really worth anything so it's like I don't know, it's just drinking was such a tough thing that really held me back because I just I just abused it and I wouldn't let, you know, I was too concerned about where the party was, you know, what are we going to do on Tuesday night instead of being like, why don't we say a rosary? Why don't we do adoration and like skipping commitments, going out for day drinks? And it's like, that's all fun and games, but it's really just such a small part of everybody's life that really does take control of you, even if you don't realize it. So I would definitely say that was something that really held me back and just kind of put, like, you know, cl clouded my idea of faith and, you know, yeah. what was really good and true. Yeah. Kind of, well, just going off what Will said real quick, too, was uh, especially me going into Franciscan. Um, I'm from Pittsburgh and I had been to Franciscan a lot, obviously, for conferences. But I, coming in, like, I guess I really didn't know the school that well, but I literally thought it was, like, just a place where saints were made, pretty much. Yeah. Like, I didn't, I had no expectation of, I literally remember asking somebody, um, not that I wanted to go to one at the time, but uh, I was like, are there even parties here? And he just laughed at me, and I was just like, I just, I think we have this expectation at these really um, Catholic places that people aren't going to sin and people aren't going to um, excessively do things like drinking, but 
I, I mean, there are a lot of, you know, pe there, there are people, like, we've all been through tough times, like Will was saying, and everybody. Um, and I've been through tough times at Franciscan. Um, and just because we're at a really good place where Christ is very easily, um, like, attainable in terms of, like, mass, like, five times a day, every day, like, confession every single day you have to put in the work like you you're it's still your your prior you need to make a priority of doing these things christ isn't going to be the one to like do it for you yeah definitely mm -hmm. danny yeah yeah kind of building off of like what christian said with expectations one thing that really kind of i wouldn't say like held me back it honestly kind of scared me was going to these conferences like i would go in high school and stuff i went to every summer my there was a group of people from my uh from my like family friend group that would all go to, to these conferences together and you know when you go to these conferences and you see these kids are 100 percent about it you know they all have the matching conference t-shirts they all have like the, the little chants they do and stuff and and for someone who's wasn't religious at all um and wanted was really you know worried more about his self-image and like how people perceive me as being like oh i need to be this cool guy um that scared me to the point when when i actually made a deal with my dad i, I didn't want to go to franciscan like that was to make that be very clear i wanted to go to penn state Pitt, james madison all these state schools and i told my dad i'd go to the cheapest school and ended up being franciscan somehow um and then you know go in there the, i remember like the first month before i got to franciscan i was so scared i was just like this is going to be my, my college experience is just going to be a studio conference for four years and i was terrified honestly um but, you know i think you know kind of actually going to franciscan and seeing people that kind of struggle with the same things i've struggled and um even for a little bit freshman year finding that group of people who this sounds bad but also you know drank and partied and stuff it was somewhat relieving just because like oh there's this isn't just you know a conference all the time and um kind of that was something that held me back for a while i would say and then i think right around after i remember the, my, my trip to assisi um when i went to austria i did the uh the, the trek up the mountain and i did it by myself and i kind of just had this long just meditative just period where i was just thinking i was like i i have to make this for me i can't think about anything else like all these things that are going on in my life that are like ruining my life like partying too much listening to the wrong type of music you know watching the wrong type of movies and just being so ingrained and, and dive into that kind of thing that was a big factor to hold me back until i just finally decided like i have to let all this go like i i this isn't fruitful this isn't who i want to be like i looked at myself in the mirror and i was like i am not the person i wanted to be when i was 10 years old like when i was 10 years old i thought i was going to grow up and be this great guy and then to be you know 19 20 or even like 16 skipping class to hang out with friends and you know for to expose myself like do, do, to do some drugs and stuff and just completely just skip class i literally didn't feel like the person i wanted to be and there was just a moment on that mountain where I was just like, I just got to get this all away. This is, this isn't me. This isn't who I wasn't meant to be. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's, that's beautifully said, Danny. And I think I like that some of the points that you guys are bringing up, especially with Will and what he was saying. And then Danny and well, all you guys really bringing up that this idea of Franciscan. And so like, I'm a little bit different to where like drinking was just not really a thing. My parents just didn't really do it. 
Um, just wasn't really seen in like a good light at all. Um, I didn't really have a big desire growing up, at least not in high school to do it. Um, and then it wasn't actually, well, actually Christian was the guy that really <laughs> kind of introduced me to it a little bit, but I, we don't have to get into Probably this big topic. <laughs> and this is something I, I, maybe I can bring you guys back on and we could talk about, but I think it's a good point. Mm-hmm. You guys are bringing it up here. Like when we're talking about sort of, um, parties or drinking at Franciscan, I think some people could be like a little bit worried or triggered about that. But what's important to understand is that like when people are 18 and they're going to a college and no matter where you go, like the faith, you have to make your own regardless. So yeah, just because there's eight masses on Sunday doesn't mean that like that person still has, that individual still has every ounce of free will to decide they don't want to go. And I think there's a certain level of maybe from the parent side, right? Of like, okay, if I put this kid here, he better be doing everything that um, I wanted to do, and then when he doesn't, I got to get him to the army or something like that, and it gets to this rough point when I think for a, a big part of it is like, uh, at least for parents, and something that I want to do is like, you know, learn to learn how to teach your son or your daughter how to drink responsibly when they're like oh, 16 yeah. at, at the home. Like, do yeah. those things and teach them those decisions because a lot of things is like, there's a big bubble of kids at Franciscan. This is not supposed to be like a, a roast of anybody, but I think you guys bring up a good point in that there's this bubble and a lot of people haven't experienced it. And so when they get the freedom, they want to do everything that they possibly can and they can get caught up in a lot of stuff because maybe they haven't really sat down with themselves and said, you know, why is it that I actually believe these things in, in, in an interior way? Not like don't recite paragraph 2293 from the catechism, why you believe it, but actually understand deep in your soul. Like, why is it that we say that getting drunk is a moral sin or what does that do to your conscience and your decision making and then how you affect this and that? So there's so much there and it's just interesting because like I'm just I guess I'm just trying to maybe warn some people like no this is this is not some sort of triggering thing and one of the beautiful reasons why like I had these three people on is because these are people who have struggled with everything else that every other college kid has struggled just like me and we've all gone through these things and yet we're in this ongoing conversion that we all should be on and uh, we're all just figuring it out in in different ways and a lot of similar ways Um, obviously like we (laughs) said through through vintage clothing but also through like traditional mass and things like that so I guess I'll actually go to that question Um, you guys have all talked about different turning points for you guys but I think for all of us um, returning to tradition has been huge Um, that completely changed the way I saw mass um, completely changed the way I saw my faith and so I guess you know, I think we see the younger generation kind of moving towards tradition and things like that. Like it's really like the, you know, the boomers that want the drums and, and violins and mass. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't think we ever asked for that. They just put it in there and then we had to grow up with it until we realized that like that actually wasn't what the church was supposed to be and things like that. So, I mean, uh, we can start, we'll start with Danny. Um, and you guys can all talk about at least your kind of thoughts on tradition. What has, uh, that done for your faith? and why you guys think that younger people are moving back towards tradition more often. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so just a little, like, backstory. Like, when I, before I even came became Catholic, I thought, you know, so when I did have that faith that was completely non-dom, just strictly sola scriptura, um, I was kind of thinking, like, you know, where are they pulling all this extra stuff from? Like, where is all this other stuff coming from? Because I, I read the Bible a lot, but I just never really understood the ties to um, the faith and actually the Bible itself. So kind of going to Franciscan and taking all these classes and seeing the actual Bible verses and how the church got to the, have that stance on something because it came strictly from the Bible, it opened my eyes completely. And the more I've done 
like a dive into the faith and a dive into the catechism and then dive into, you know, like other things, I've kind of slowly but surely gone just naturally. I, I couldn't tell you, like, there's a split moment where I was like, oh, I, I need to become tra traditional. It was just more that I've learned and the more that I've, I feel like I've matured, I guess, in my faith. Like you said, it's it just returning back to tradition. It's it's a beautiful thing. It's really the way that the, the church was intended to be made and the way the church, like, mass was intended to have. Um, so I guess going off that, just figuring it out slowly and surely, um, just the truth, I guess, just the, the real way. And I can say now that I'm, I'm, a, I'm a proud, I'm a proud trad. <laughs> <laughs> Danny, why do you think uh, young people, I mean, it's kind of obvious, right? Like, I don't think if you're going to be putting on a show at mass, I'd rather mm -hmm. go to the one that looks cooler, which is the Protestants. Like if there's really no difference, except you're telling me that it's yeah. that the Eucharist is really Jesus. Yeah. Everyone's like, you know, uh, receiving on their hands and treating it like it's like mm -hmm. it's the same thing at the, at the other service that they're doing, you know, then like, yeah. I think that the younger people are going to be like, well, what's the difference then? But I mean, at least why do you, why do you think you see uh, more young people returning to tradition? Yeah, so kind of going off what you say, like I would go to the just like a church, like again non-dominational, and they'd have like this big band, and there would be this big singer, and he'd be playing the guitar, and everything was like that. And then, you know, not that this is a bad thing, but going to Franciscan and seeing kind of the same thing, like at mass sometimes, and you know, seeing the people who, which is great, I'm happy for them, but the people like jumping up and around, down, around, having, you know, like these big moments, and I'm just kind of like, we're in mass. Like, I thought mass was like this very sacred thing that like everyone should be like praying and being very attentive. It, for me, it was just personally, I, don't, I didn't have a problem with it, but I just found it distracting for me to where now, I guess a lot of people our age are starting to realize this too, is just going to a trad mass, for example, I go to Latin mass. The whole time I like, I remember you and I, Miko talked about this before we got on here, but it was just prayer like it's my time like it's prayer with between me and god and it's a lot more intentional and it's a lot more serious and i find that a lot of people who are becoming catholic and who are have been catholic for a long time are just returning to that because of uh just the prayer aspect and just being in a latin mass and really being fully focused on what's happening not focused so much on like how high my hands are raised and how like the music's playing and everything's kind of going that way now again that's not a problem i'm not trying to insult anybody but for me i just i felt like it was a lot more real yeah definitely will so it basically for me at least i remember i was at i was actually at the bins one day and i was by myself and i was, re and I, I was reading this i was reading this when book. are you not <laughs> but I was, I was in between like the switches or whatever i was reading this book to kill time and i think it was called what it was like the the 12 secrets of eucharist i think it was and one of the points that the author made was that the eucharist is as like as it's like consecrated all of the heavens and the saints, the, all the souls in heaven, Jesus, have come down to the Eucharist. They're all present there with us as it, you know, becomes Jesus. So in my head, I'm like, you know, why, why would we be singing these goofy songs, making a whole scene when we should really be praying and praising and representing the lord in like a beautiful holy traditional way that it was originally done since jesus and all of the heavens are down here with us so it's like i just i didn't i when i i was like 
it was like when I saw people just singing, dancing, you know, laughing during all of that, I was like, this doesn't seem right. There, I, it feels like if this felt didn't feel real, you know, it felt like it was more of a play. But at the traditional masses, it's like there's, you know, there's a, the incense burning, there's the chants going on, the, the priest has even got his back to us, and it is just so focused on the Eucharist and what has really come down and is actually happening in front of us. And that's what really opened my eyes up to tradition. I was like, this is what this is what was happening, you know, 3,000 years ago. This is what's been happening since the beginning of the faith. This is the tradition that is carried on unchanged for the entire history of, you know, the world. Like, this yeah. is what it was meant to be. And so that really just opened my eyes up to it. And then as I started going more and more to more traditional masses, it just, it, I just caught myself actually praying. I caught myself in actual thought and, you know, like more just conversation with, with God. And I was getting more out of the mass. And then I started, you know, like receiving on the tongue. I started going to more and more Latin masses, which led me more and more to adoration and more of appreciation for the Eucharist and Our Lady and the saints. So it really just... I, when I, the tradition just really opened it up for me. I, once I really understood what was happening at Mass and what was going on, it changed everything. Because before I thought Mass was just here to show, show God we love Him, which obviously is true, but, I did, but it was also, I realized that it's like, this is a sacrifice and we're, we're coming here to, to like plead with God to forgive us, love us, you know, let us praise him and be thankful that he allowed us to even, you know, sit there in those pews. And like today, even at mass, the, the, the priest's homily was saying like, you know, why are we all here? Obviously it's because we're Catholics, but like a hundred years ago, we didn't exist. And now here we are sitting in front of the Lord because he willed it. So mass just became more real for me. And I guess, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. It's tradition just made me realize that the what is going on in mass is real and it's like the truth and it's powerful and it needs to be celebrated and you know loved and cherished and kept tradition basically I, that's yes yeah. yeah, so, I mean, that's just I, it was it was just it was just so much more like fulfilling leaving mass every day every sunday yeah. dang that was that was real that was actually yeah. like an actual real 100% it, it, it's just, it was just better. It was just all around better. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Uh, Christian. Um, so for me, um, growing up, uh, right whenever we had, like, my dad had his, like, reconversion, and then I had, like, a conversion. I, me and my dad, I think we wanted to experience, like, all forms of mass. You know, we would go to all these churches. We would, like, church hop all the time. And then we um, found ourselves at the traditional Latin mass church in Pittsburgh. And we were going there for a while. Um, I was like in like the seventh grade probably. Um, and we really liked it. Uh, it was just, um, it was something that I think was like challenging for us. Um, trying to like, you know, understand these prayers, especially if you're going to like low mass and everything. Um, and we loved it so much. My mom, um, and I still have it and use it. My mom got us two uh, 1962 Roman missiles um, and uh, we would use them 
then we kind of veered away from it and just started going back to uh, just regular nervous order mass. Um, but I think the one thing I would say too is um, that the charismatic, like charismatic Catholicism is really, for me, that was like the, like the gate for me, like kind of, it, it opened up. Um, I was in ninth grade. So like, for me, like that was something that I think needed to happen. Some sort of like charismatic worship really opened my eyes to like my journey into the Catholic church and my journey into like who Christ really was like seeing Christ so blatant in the Eucharist. And, and that was actually Christ and me understanding that was kind of through the charismatic movement. Um, but for me now, uh, it's just something that I couldn't stay with, um, especially probably, I mean, Nico, I feel like we had the same kind of like conversion to being trad at the same time. Yeah. Um, like our sophomore year, we were like, not that we were charismatic, but we were just kind of going to school mass and everything. And then we realized like, we were like, wow, like, this could be better. Like, yeah. and so, um, but yeah, so for me, I think it's just, I couldn't be content with where I was, especially being like charismatic. Like I needed to um, push the boundaries, I guess, in trying to like search for Christ on my own, especially like you could, I mean, it's so easy to see Christ in the Eucharist. If there's a band playing in the background with flashing lights and like, you know, a songboard that shows whatever song's playing and like people are crying, dancing and singing and laughing. But to for me, it's so much more to be at a Eucharistic adoration, just five other people there completely silent and Christ is sitting in that monstrance up there. And for you to see him the same way you saw him at the charismatic worship is to me is and, and it is so much more incredible. So to where, like I said, that's kind of where I'm at now. So, you know, I'm way more traditional. Um, and I read something really good by the goat, Father, Father Rippiger. Um, mm. He, uh, and it was, it was about like uh, merits of the mass. And it wasn't saying um, traditional mass was greater than, you know, Novus Ordo. Um, but it was saying he made really good points to where like there's a way to merit the mass um and by having um you know the chalices being so much more beautiful um merits more having you know beautiful architecture merits more because it's it's the god it's, it's god of the universe you're, you're celebrating so it shouldn't just be this uh table it, it, I mean, it can be, but if it shouldn't just be this table, an altar, and uh, and a few hinky-dink chalices. Like, you should be going all out. Like, this is Christ we're talking about. Mm -hmm. and, and that's something that kind of really shook me was like, you know, you're totally right. I mean, it's it's totally right uh, in terms of, like, we should be doing the most we can. We should spend it, be spending the most money we possibly can to distribute Christ in these chalices or to put Christ, to put our sacrifice in these churches, these beautiful churches. Um, and it kind of sucks that modernism has kind of taken over to where like we go to these churches now and it's just like really ugly, you know, it's yeah. just, you know, mm -hmm. not meriting the most we could from these masses. Um, and so, and I think with that, it kind of opened up the door too of like, because I feel like nowadays, like a lot of these churches don't express the 
importance of like i honestly think that's one of the biggest corruptions in the church now is not stressing the importance of being in the state of grace especially receiving because i just know so many people especially in the past like i know they would not be in the state of grace and they would be Mm -hmm. going up for Mm -hmm. to receive christ and that is really bad and and it's one thing if they don't know but um it's the church's problem that they don't know they they Mm -hmm. they obviously express that enough and and with the traditional latin mass or traditional masses i should say they're having confession at before every mass yeah like every Mm -hmm. single church doing that every single church Mm -hmm. should be doing that um but no most of these diocesan parishes especially around me they have it once a week on a wednesday at 5 p.m right and it's just who's going to that you know Mm -hmm. i don't know um so especially just like i said how one how traditional masses are like presented, how they present Christ our savior, but also how, how they, you know, the way they are able to give out the sacraments, especially like I said, reconciliation. Um, That was really transformative for me. Um, Just because like I said, in high school, I had this, I didn't know until junior year of high school, you couldn't receive Christ unless you were in the state of grace. Yeah. I, dude, I had no idea until my sophomore year exactly. of college. So, like, exactly. And whose fault is that? That's the church's fault for not mm-hmm. telling me or for not expressing that soon enough, especially in this age we're in to where, you know, most of the Catholics, what's the percent? Half the, half the church doesn't even believe in the real presence of Christ like in the 30, Eucharist. Like 30, yeah. 30%. Mm-hmm. yeah. Or 70 you know, don't so, believe and like 30 do believe. Yeah. So... <laughs> It's 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 rough out there to say the yeah. least. Yeah. No, um, I thought I thought I, you brought a good point um, with the with the, at least the charismatic opening that door for you, right? Because it is interesting. But then the the thing that seems to happen is that it becomes unfulfilling. I think that's what we're saying for a lot of this. Yeah. Like, yeah the charismatic yeah. stuff became unfulfilling for us, right? Yeah. I would yes. say I think we have to like kind of preface it. Like we're not saying praise and worship or any of these things are bad. No, no. Like no, I think honestly, I have bad. so much respect for people like that weekly go to a FOP or a praise and worship thing. I think that's amazing. I think it's awesome. But I was just thinking like in mass, it sometimes for me, and I feel like for a lot of us, it kind of felt like a distraction or if anything kind of, it wasn't doing the justice of what mass was really meant to be. Yeah. No. And and here's the point that I really wanted to make too with it is that these conferences are awesome. I I went to a Superbowl conference in San Diego. It's like 5,000 teens. It was amazing. Um, I'll never forget some of those. Like my first conference I went to, Father Mike Schmitz was the was a priest for it. Second one was actually Father Dave. Um, I enjoyed a lot of these things, but I think some of the issues is it is that when we only present these extravagant conferences with lights and and teens and fun and all this stuff to kids, is when they go home, how do they see Jesus? They're not going to get that anywhere else. And it's a point yeah. when like when we grow up, like when we get out of Franciscan, right? It's kind of a similar thing. Like it's so much easier to do it then. But it's almost like this low expectation that we have for teens that they can't meet Christ in silence because that's the only way to hear him. It's the only, exactly. only way, exactly. only way to hear exactly. him. And so, like, yeah. I've been reading this one book, and I just, like, keep lagging on it. It's been, like, six months probably, but I will hopefully get through it. But it's The Power of Silence by Cardinal Seurat. And this whole idea of, like, you can't hear God unless it's, like, pure silence. And there's this point of, like, uh, that's a big reason why I like to go to the low mass, and it's, like, I feel like I don't have to understand everything. I don't have to respond. I don't need to be this active participation, which is like, I think kind of nonsensical. If you think active just means you have to be verbally 
participating as opposed right. to like participating in the sense of you're sacrificing your own self you're in your prayer that's what true participation is and so i think it's tough like i think what you guys been saying right there's fruit in that stuff and i agree i think it just it can get a little rough if that's all you've ever seen jesus is and then so when you get into adoration it's like oh i'm bored and and sort of I don't really know what's going on and how do I hear Jesus? It's because, well, yeah, all you heard was you're a good, good father in the background. So now <laughs> it's just silence. You don't know what to do, you know? And so I think that's tough. Yeah. Um, but I think that's a good point. I, you know, and this is not obviously, it's not like uh, the bash Novus Ordo hour, but it's the reality of like, this is what the, like what we're all saying is the reality yeah. of the youth and what we're seeing and how, and how we truly feel. And, um, and yeah, I think uh, we, we keep moving on. Um, one, one thing I wanted to hear from each of you guys, um, is sort of what you guys felt like you were missing, uh, growing up in the faith. And I know for me, like I said before, I felt like I was missing other examples that I felt like relatable to me and really saw them, um, living out their life. And, um, you know, I think if we were all like, I think it'd be super sick if we were like 13 and 14 and like Bob Lesnevsky was our youth minister, we'd probably be like, you know what I mean? <laughs> things would be different, yeah, yeah. but we yeah, all don't get those. And, um, I think there is special people, but it's hard, you know, when people, um, like the Scott Hans of the world, people are doing amazing things and so beautifully intelligent and, um, and they have, you know, such gifts, but it's like none of us will ever, ever be Scott Hahn or Patrick Madrid or Trent Horn. And it's really hard for a 12 year old to like, relate to those guys on a certain level. Um, I know that was a big piece missing for me, obviously a, a good community of Catholic friends too. Uh, what are some things kind of for you guys growing up to where you felt like was kind of missing? Well, I can definitely say that like, I definitely was missing a community when I was growing up and like the knowledge of like the faith, like actually being taught and really shown. And I think that goes hand in hand with like not having a community. Like, when you grow up a kid and all you have is your public school friends and they're not really into the faith and you are, when you're 16, you're going to follow the majority. You're really going to fo follow that. So, like, when you don't have a community to really bond with and, you know, form with the faith through, it can be, it can be really difficult. But one thing I've been thinking a lot recently is now with, like, the advances in, like, technology, like, the ability to listen to these podcasts and like YouTube videos and all like good, you can like access like Pints with Aquinas or like Father Mike Schmidt. You can listen to these podcasts so you can kind of have a, you know, a little bit of a community if you don't have someone or, you know, like people that you're like with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, going off what Will said too. Um, yeah, growing up definitely uh missing that community i had a lot of really good friends like in high school um but just no one that really shared my same interests um not also like worldly interests but also like just in building a relationship with christ um and was it not until i came to franciscan whenever like you know miko and i met each other and you know we're wearing rip jeans and car arts and we're also <laughs> talking about like uh, just just we're you know talking about apologetics or something um so that was something that's obviously just changed uh, my life was just friends i met at franciscan were not like any friends that i've ever met before um people on the same boat and everything 
I guess I'll switch it up too is um, something I missed because I listened to a lot of podcasts growing up, uh, especially in my high school days. I'd be at the gym or running on a treadmill and listening to uh, Pat Coffin. Um, but something that like, especially in college that I found something that was missing was, you know, Our Lady. Um, I have probably the past like year has been probably one of the most transformative years for me, especially with, you know, just understanding who um, Our Lady is. Um, and, and like, she's not just the mother of, of God. Like she, well, she is, that's a pretty big title, I guess you could say, but she's not just Christ's mother her his, his her his worldly mother um she's co-redemptrix co mediatrix and you know so just kind of understanding who she is and you know what she has kind of you know said to the world um she's revealed herself multiple times to the world through apparitions has been just mind-blowing to me um and just like you know i've i have it right here actually um the glories of mary this book talking to my dad has changed his life um but then i started reading it and it has you know changed it changed my life um saint alphonsus liguori but just like every sentence is just like um you're just like kind of mind blown like he, he'll give metaphors to who mary is and like you know mary wants mary craves for you to come under her mantle and to lead you to christ and just like that that is insane because I I think especially Mary is like our biggest like rooter for us to gain eternal life. She is the biggest. She is the person on the sidelines during the marathon that is rooting for us the most to get to her son. Um, and just realizing that has been like so peaceful to me. Um, so I think that's been a huge thing for me at least. Okay, Danny. Yeah, so I think mine uh, is a little bit different because I was very blessed from a very young age to be in a, a very devout community where all my family friends were all devout Catholic and all my friends were raised Catholic. So I didn't really have that feeling of you know being alone. Um, but I guess before I was Catholic, the one thing that really was like a driving factor to me actually taking up the faith was confession. Like when... Like living solo scriptura, there's I can name a thousand times where you know I've talked to somebody. I'm like, this is still weighing on me. I know like I'm forgiven by faith and faith alone, but this doesn't feel like I'm forgiven. You know, like just doesn't feel real. Like it, it is, I feel like I'm cheating. Like this is is it really this easy? I can just do whatever I want and be like, sorry Jesus, and I'm good. But it, it, then I won't say what it was, but there was something in specific that had weighed on my heart for years and years and years and years and years. And then when I went to Franciscan and the first time I ever actually confessed it, there was, it's hard to describe, it sounds a little corny, but there was this tremendous burden and weight had just been lifted off my shoulders that I actually genuinely felt forgiven. Because I had told people this before and they had told me, oh, you are forgiven, you know, you're a child of God, you're forgiven, but it never really felt like I was forgiven. To where yeah. I went to, and I confessed it for the first time, and I walking out of confession, I, I literally just like, wow this had this is real like this is a real forgiveness that i had not felt before this so i think that was probably something that changed everything for me yeah okay yeah those are all great i think um yeah there's so much there it's just so funny um you know it seems like we kind of <laughs> taking shots at franciscan 
But like I said, <laughs> I was mentioning with Jake is that the most beautiful thing of Franciscan is the community yeah. and then finding guys like this. And then the most depressing thing is like getting out of there and then realizing that you're never going to find those people <laughs> like right. that again yeah, right. in your own right. circles. Um, so there's so much, there's so much great things there. Um, but I, as we kind of move forward and uh, I have, you know, just a couple more things um, to point to you guys. Uh, what do you guys see as sort of like this new era of evangelization because it's this weird point where i think a lot of people are moving to tradition um you know those are the ones that were open during the during the covid nonsense and they're the ones that are you know giving us sacraments during those times i think people started to realize that in a big way and then the people who said oh i can just live stream it are just still live streaming it you know two years later after all that stuff happens but along with that there's also this side of like what will was saying of social media and the ability to have podcasts and YouTube videos and there's just so much out there that we can do. And I think even in, um, you know, what Will's doing and a lot of things like uh, with the vintage stuff and like really highlighting things about like Mary and t-shirts or like, you know, things with Jesus on there and saints, things that, you know, me and Christian uh, would do too back in the day. Um, I think those are what we see as like new era of evangelization that really weren't done before. Um, like where do you guys see kind of moving forward, at least with society and sort of like, I don't know, I guess the potential and the opportunity, the platforms that we could have, um, we could start with Danny. Yeah. Uh, I guess one thing I've kind of noticed is I feel like there's a certain wokeness now in the church. I feel like a lot of not like non-traditional churches I've gone to are, are like kind of stepping on eggshells with what they say. And they're kind of being, you know, trying to accommodate for everybody. Um, and then I, I literally, one of the, my favorite homilies ever was earlier this year, the, the priest came up and the first thing he said was, I will preach the Catholic faith in season and out of season. I will, I will do it. I will always preach the truth and you will never hear anything else from me outside of that. I think a lot of people who are becoming Catholic and, you know, are actually diving into the faith a little bit more are realizing that we're kind of a little bit under attack when it comes to that. And that, like, it's very hard to find true Catholic people in two Catholic churches in some senses where it's just they will, they don't care. They are going to preach the truth. And regardless of how it makes you feel, regardless how it makes other people feel, this is what we believe and we're going to stick by it. And I think a lot of people, especially our age, are, are just drawn a little bit more towards that, especially with like social media and how you see that everywhere else. Um, I feel like that's definitely something that has drawn me at least a lot closer to it. Yeah. Uh, I'd say yeah. there's there's maybe like there's I think there's at least for me there's two. And I would say one of them definitely isn't like new, but I think it's pretty relevant to like at least all of us because we're kind of like as we become young men and you know, as we be form our relationships with our girlfriends, wives, fiancés and soon to be hopefully like fathers, I think that's going to be like a big wave of evangelization is like fatherhood and you know following in like saint joseph's footsteps and you know parenting your children and treating your wife in a way that he he would like treat mary and so i think that is going to be a really big resurgence because there's definitely like a big resurgence in the faith i would say in like our age our age range i'd say like there's a big come around for young men in the faith and as they you know form the relationships I think they're going to be evangelizing and raising their kids, hopefully, you know, in a very traditional, holy, good way. And then secondly, I think, 
at least for me, like at Franciscan, obviously as it seemed like we were like kind of trashing on it earlier, but you know, I loved it because I saw, I was just surrounded by men and young, young guys that really followed in the faith and that really evangelized me. Like I would be at a party and I would see a guy turn down taking a shot because he's like, no, no, I got to wake up for mass. And he would turn down the shot. I'd be like, oh, cool. That's like, that's neat. Or then, you know, I would see like, I would see a guy, you know, and him and his girlfriend walk to mass together, receive, and then, you know, go and like sit at the port for an hour together. I'm like, oh, that's just like, that's something I want to do. That's something I want to like live in. And then it's like the way guys I knew how they talked about females and other people and just how they carried themselves really it was never like i was never like at least for me personally i was never evangelized by the guys and the people be like go to mass go to mass go to mass do this do that i was just i was really evangelized by the people that just lived it and really showcased it by just the way they acted and the way they carried themselves so i think that is like one of them should at least should be like a new form is just by living it and respecting what we believe in and really teaching that truth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so obviously I think with what we were saying with like media and everything, I think that's going to be huge. Um, but I, I think one thing to, to, should be like a concern for a lot of people too is uh using media and like the internet as tools because i at least me a lot of these material things i can get like really sucked into and almost have like an addiction to like just you know i feel like we all have you know those days where we'll just scroll 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 like on instagram um and i think just kind of under kind of shining light on that and showing people that these are just tools um, and that Christ is like the ultimate, like, you know, we're, we're literally using these things as tools to help you get to Christ. Um, but also, uh, something that I think is big, um, for me is, you know, we have the, this generation of people that, uh, have like, just, I mean, we've seen it, like all of us, we've been around, uh, people who are very interested in like culture and fashion and clothing and like music and everything, pop culture and everything. And there's so many people that have such good taste. Um, and I, I think kind of using that modern take to bring people back to the church. Do you know what I mean? Um, and, and like I said, we all are really into like, I feel like clothing and streetwear and, you know, uh, using that to evangelize people, like what, what Miko was saying about Will and what we were doing for a while is, you know, we'll collect these, you know, Catholic shirts from the 90s and we'll, you know, just post them on Instagram and show them that they're, you know, I, as corny as it may sound and people might, might not understand, but it's beautiful. I think it's amazing. Um, but kind of entering a market and finding what these people really enjoy, but putting Christ on it, I think is really cool. Um, so, but yeah, like I said, I think with, um, with kind of like, especially these new, a lot of these like Catholic accounts can be very like boomer, like we were saying, um, kind of doing what Miko is doing with like PPK and World Blazes, you know, having a modern take on it, but bringing people back to the tradition of the church. Um, cause I feel like a modern 
feel for like an account is very appealing, but not taking away that tradition from the church. And I think that is like a really big thing um, to yeah. make accounts and pictures and posts look really visually appealing, um, but also highlighting the tradition of the church. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's funny. Cause like, uh, I don't think like Fulton Sheen thought in like uh, 60 years, like <laughs> these weird, you know, these weird kids would be posting clips of him on, on Instagram, like yeah. his little phone devices yeah. in his way and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I think, yeah, what everyone was saying, uh, especially will about living it is such a big thing. Um, and I think like even, you know, kind of pointing to what Christian was saying a little bit, and I've touched on this before, like the way that you live your life and also like even the simple ways of like using social media can be powerful tools and that like, it doesn't have to be like a selfie of you at adoration every, you know what I mean? Every day that you have to <laughs> post for people. But like at least the idea of like just show your life, you know what I mean? I think I think your generally your account, what you listen to, um, the things that you do revolve around what you care about the most or where you put the most interest towards. So if that's a faith and like let that show through those things, let that show through. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to have a big fear, like I said, going to public school my whole life of like oh, I'm not going to put this on my story, or I'm not going to retweet this. But it's like the point of like. I think there's a witness into it because I guarantee one person's going to message you and be like, oh my gosh, you know what I mean? Like, uh, that's so true. Or thank you for sharing that or whatever it is. Um, there's a sense of courage and it kind of sounds a little bit like weak, I guess, because we're using social media and that's supposed to be courageous just to repost something. But for a lot of people, it's hard. Like they don't have, um, they feel like they can't have a voice and stuff like that. And I think those are powerful tools that we can use. Uh, but like the most important thing, I think what Will was saying is, is living it out for sure. Okay, yeah. I have one last Quick. question. Oh, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. And just, sorry, but like quickly, as like Miko was saying, like posting stuff to your story, it's kind of like marketing the fate. It's like a commercial. You might not, if you like see yeah. a commercial, like Doritos, you're not going to like really think much of it, but maybe you'll, you'll go to the gas station and be like, oh, Doritos sound good because you saw that commercial. So subconsciously, you would just think that. So like if someone is scrolling through their Instagram stories or scrolling through their feed and they see you post something, they might just look at it for like 10 seconds, but then that 10 seconds could like subconsciously lead them to act or say or do something. So I think it's just like the simple stuff mm-hmm. like that is really under like undervalued. It's just like just oh, yeah. sharing, you know, clips or what's whatever, just sharing stuff yeah. that people might see. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, 100%. I've had those experiences where like I haven't had direct relationships with people in the sense that it was centered around faith but they knew kind of like at least kind of how i was and how i operated and then like randomly i get a text and like hey can you pray for me and it's just like yeah why not like i you know it's weird that for some reason people will go to the people that they know are you know quote unquote closest to god or practicing a faith and then they'll be the ones to reach out and say you know what like pray for me and so i think yeah what you said those things can be powerful um i got a last question for you guys um real quick doesn't have to be long uh, maybe you know what I mean as powerful as a sentence or two as you can give me um, what's your guys advice for young people um, whether it's high school or college probably mostly um, even young 20s what's your guys advice to them in practicing their faith dealing with the same things that like we've all dealt with let's um, using your own experience kind of like what would you say um, I'm not going to call anyone out on this one might be tough whoever feels like they got something good you can share first Man. I'll go. Uh, all right, Dan. You go. Okay. No, no, you, you, go. Go. you got it. <laughs> um, I think, you know, kind of 
it's tough because I don't want to sound like I'm somebody that's like has it all figured out because I can guarantee you and I can tell you everybody who's listening to this probably knows who I am and understands that like I I'm still learning a lot. But I think that the important thing is is to not lose faith and I think honestly I can't really think of anything like for people who are struggling with you know finding the faith who are like in their 19s and their 20s but I challenge the people who are very faithful to like meet people where they are at. Like one of the beautiful things I loved about Franciscan was households. And then one of the beautiful, like of our households, I loved Prods and I love brothers is for this reason as well, is that meets people where they're at. And because if you're like outside and you're looking in, it's a little bit scary. And for a 19 year old or 20 year old, who's a little bit scared to actually make a full commit to this, like there's gotta be somebody like a role model or someone that like will meet you where you're at and just like work with you in that sense. But um, yeah, it's, it's tough. It's not easy, especially when you graduate. I'm sorry, I went over a little bit over two sentences, but when you graduate, <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> it's tough. Like I, I don't work with anybody who's Catholic. I don't see a lot of people who are Catholic. So it's it's really just take the time that to find that community of people. Like we have each other, like us four guys, and we don't even besides me and Will, like we don't even live that close to each other. Um, but you have to find that sense of community where you can and you're comfortable. Uh, really just being real with each other and just being like, this is what I'm struggling with. This is what I'm dealing with. This is how I feel. And it can honestly be like, I don't want to go to mass. I don't, I don't see the importance of it. Be honest with your friends, be honest with your accountability partners. Like that's the only way any of us are really ever going to grow. Facts. I would say my biggest regret at Franciscan was never getting a spiritual advisor. And I'd say that's like, Mm -hmm. do that. And then just, you know, take that first step, just at least begin your journey because eventually you'll get there. It's going to be tough. It's not going to be easy, but just get a spiritual advisor, find a good group of friends and just like take that first step and keep working at it really. Yeah. Uh, similar to what Will said, uh, from my experience, like I've been seeing this, I've been talking to the same priest once a month since like my junior year of high school. And that was just because I heard him say a mass and I was like, this guy seems cool. And uh, I went up to him after mass. I was like, can I like talk to you, like meet with you ever? And he was like, yeah. So like I said, I've been doing that for the longest time and we've, you know, he's helped me through a lot. Um, but, and the other thing is to just, especially from my experience, like, keep persevering um with i mean if you're upset with people with with not the best you know you want more catholic um friends or people who are you know more into their faith in your life you know just keep persevering keep praying for relationships for god to bring people into your lives for you to continue to grow and also keep praying for your friends that you know aren't catholic like i have so many friends that aren't of the Catholic faith. Nico, you have so many friends. Like everyone has so many friends that are great people that aren't Mm -hmm. of the Catholic faith. I pray for them every single day just for them to continue to, you know, be good people. Um, And so, yeah, I think prayer too is just one of the big things because, you know, we obviously can't do this all our own. We don't have to answer every single question. Um, And yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Thank you guys for all those and honestly, um, just for joining me in all this, and I just want to say once again, for anyone who's like made it this far, um, you know, Priest Robert King or Water Blaze, or at least this episode specifically, is never meant to be um, us, you know, on our pedestal 
and letting people know what to do. It's mm-hmm. all about us revealing oh, yeah. all of our faults. Um, we all know that we're flawed people, and you know all of our friends who who are who may might watch this or at least see that yeah. the <laughs> knows that we're all flawed people. And the point is not to show um, how perfect and cool we are. The point is to show how broken we are, and the point that like you can be there too, and you can okay. strive for it. You can go through all the things that we've all gone through. Um, and you know I already said it, but like that's why I'm bringing these people on. Um, people that I've grown super close with and just felt like, like, damn, I wish I had you guys with me the whole time I've, I've been living. Yeah, here, like, sure. you know? <laughs> and so, um, you know, and it's just one of those things where when you do find those people and it's going to be tough, I don't think everyone can find community, um, in that, in that special way. Um, unless you go to Franciscan and find the perfect household for you. And there's a lot of things that have to go right. I think for you to find that community, but I think at the end of the day, um, hopefully like this podcast and other things can be at light to you. And I think when you like start standing up for truth more and more, um, people, people will respect you for it. And I think you'll gain friends from that. Um, you'll lose the ones that don't matter and you'll gain, uh, more friends that really do. And it doesn't always have to be like what Christian is saying. I, I didn't have, uh, my three best friends that I still have from home, uh, still aren't Catholic, but I pray every time I do rosary, I pray for their conversion, all that stuff. Um, and I think, uh, you know, throughout like what will is saying throughout the way you live you'll evangelize and you'll witness to those people um but at the end of the day you know it's about you taking it up on your own and uh i think that's a big a big theme of this podcast has been like you got to figure out your own way we're all going to deal with the same things we all deal with the same temptations none of us are any different the only difference between me and those guys is that i'm brown and shorter but other than that we all go through the same exact things and like that's the beauty of all of it so um yeah with that once again thank you guys for coming on i want to have these guys back um for sure in another uh, episode um let us know if you guys liked it um let me know in the comments if you want to see anything else if you want you know me to touch on anything with these guys or whoever else um yeah thank you guys for listening if you made it this far we'll see you guys in the next episode and uh have yourselves a good one